Good morning. As uh, Tom said, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14, that's pages 1,185 of the uh, Church Bibles. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are of earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked, when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, a Scythian slave free from Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if you have a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, as you must also forgive. And above all these, put on, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Thanks so much, Olivia. Well, good morning, friends. We're going to be looking at this Colossians 3 passage today. This is a little bit of a break in our series in Ephesians um, because we, the way we synced it all up. So we had one initially, which was uh, about union with Christ and being saved in Christ, and this one is being transformed in Christ. Uh, and so the section we're looking at is the passage that was just read then, Colossians 3. So let's do this together. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you and thank you for the opportunity this morning to listen to what you have to say. It's not about me, uh, it's about you, it's about your word and the opportunity to speak to the, us together, that we might sit under it, we might be transformed by it, we might live differently as a consequence of it. So please speak to us now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, years ago, um, I played state netball. You might be surprised by that, but I played state netball uh, there was no actual game or tryout uh, effectively for men's netball. They just said to every school, hey, you reckon you get a team together? And then we got a team together and we rocked up. And so you had a bunch of pretty unco, like, not unco, but uh, basketball players. Oh, I wasn't completely unco. Uh, a bunch of basketball players who had no idea how to play the game. No idea how to play the game. So they took us along. They gave us a couple of basic explanations as we got there and they threw us on the court and said, go for it. And so there was a couple of different reactions. Uh, some people uh, thought they knew how to play the game, uh, but they quite obviously didn't. Uh, and others were just pretty sure they had no idea what they were doing and just got frustrated and angry and started having to go at the refs and that was more of me. Um, 
And so the question you're asking, as it's such, so, so messing around the court, you don't know what you're doing, you're thinking, how does this game work? How does this thing work? A couple of weeks back, we, I shared with you the, the, the key metaphor for how we're saved as Christians is that we are saved in Christ. That is, when you put your trust in Jesus, you enter into a relationship, a, a relational unity with him so what is true of Jesus is true of you. And so the metaphor that we used there was this idea of the plane. You know, and the kids talk about the plane going to Perth, that the key relationship between a person and a plane to get to Perth is you have to be in the plane. To get to Perth, you've got to be in the plane. And the same is true. To be saved, you have to be in Christ. You have to trust in Christ and you'll be united to him. Now, I think there's a limit to that image, Matt, that, and that is... It's the idea that it's very, very passive. <laughs> so you get on a plane and you sit back like this, don't you? All right, maybe when you've got your own special, special jet, they bring the champagne out to you. But it's a very passive image, isn't it? I'm saved in Christ. I just get on the Jesus plane and just take, go on my trip up to heaven, you know? Um, but the scriptures don't let us go there. They don't let us go into this place where we think all you have to do is do this passive sense of believe in Jesus and you sit back and coast along. Now, the Scriptures tell us we are saved in Christ to be transformed in Christ. We're saved in Christ for a purpose, that is to be transformed in Christ. That is to grow more like Jesus every day. But if you've been a Christian for any length of time, then you will inevitably ask, how does it work? How does it work? It's because it just seems messy. Um, you get saved, that's good. You know you're going to a perfect place in the end. You know you've been perfected in the end. But in this in-between time, as you're living on earth, you're thinking, so how does this work? I've, most days I feel like I'm going backwards more than I'm going forwards. Like, how does it work? How are we growing more like Christ? And so this morning we're going to hit it two ways, with two questions. Firstly, we're going to ask, how does it work? How are we transformed in Christ? And secondly, what does it mean for us? So how does it work? What does it mean for us? Firstly, how does it work? Uh, we're going to be spending our time mostly in Colossians chapter 3 today. Uh, the context for Colossians is important. Uh, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Colossae, uh, who are a group of non-Jewish Christians who are attempted to believe some false teaching. And the false teaching was this, that Jesus was not enough to grow as a Christian. You needed more than a relationship with Jesus through the gospel to grow as a Christian. You needed other, other practices, you needed other rituals, you needed other teachings, special teachings to grow as a Christian. You, Jesus wasn't enough. And so Paul starts his letter to the Colossian church by thanking God for the power that he sees in the midst of the Colossians. And then while saying that, he prays for more power and then what he does in 15 to 24, 15 to 23 in Colossians chapter 1, is he gives them this canvas, this beautiful, awe-inspiring picture of Jesus. And the reason he does that, presents that Jesus to them, is to say, he is enough. He is enough. Don't walk away from this Jesus because he is enough. He is the power to enable you to live this Christian life. And so in chapter 2, he explains that he, he, he demonstrates that that Jesus that he, that he pictures in chapter 1 has empowered him throughout his life. So he gives him his, the energy to do ministry. He gives him uh, the capacity to do ministry. He shows that 
Paul shows that his relationship, his growth as a Christian, is founded on the fact that he is united in Jesus. And so that as he moves into chapter 3, he moves from talking about his own experience of transformation through relationship with Jesus to actually talk about our transformation through relationship with Jesus. That we, we are saved in Jesus, united to Jesus, to be transformed in Jesus. So pick it up with me, Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to be reading from verse 1. It says then, If then you, you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so Paul here is recounting the spiritual realities that took place when you and I put our trust in Jesus. That when we put our trust in Jesus, we're united to Jesus by faith, that we developed a relationship with trust. And just as he died, we died with him. The old life, living apart from God, died with him. And just as he rose, we rose with him, connected to his resurrection life. But more, Jesus also ascended into heaven. And so Paul says, so too, we are now seated with him in the heavenly realms. We are united to him there. A life that he says is hidden. So this life united to Jesus is hidden from us now, but will be revealed when heaven comes down to earth, Jesus returns and we fully experience the life we have in Jesus. But we can't see it now. So he says, verse 2, he says, because we can't see it now, set your mind on things that are above. Things not on things that are on earth. And so being saved in Jesus means more than just sitting on the plane. Paul says, since your life is now hidden with Christ and one day will be revealed, get your mind and, and, and set it on that new life you have in Jesus, on the new creation life that you are now living. Set your mind on the life you have united to him. Seek to live that way in this world. And so... Uh, He's saying the primary life you live now as a Christian is not a life disconnected from Jesus, but one where you are seeking to live in perfect obedience to Jesus. And so the question is, how does that work? How do we live this new creation life that we one day fully experience in the new creation, but is still up in heaven for us now? Well, he's going to say two main things. He's going to say put off and put on. Put off meaning kill your sin, put off the sin in your life, and put on, that is put on or live in the new life you have in Jesus. And so firstly, he wants us to kill our sin. So verse 5, he says, put to death, therefore what is, whatever, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Paul describes a whole bunch of things there. I'm not going to go through them in detail. But he says that these are earthly things. That is, these are 
characteristics, these are ways of living that are centred on this world, centred on ourselves, centred on us being the gods of this world. These are ways of living that he says deserve God's just anger because these are ways of living that reject God in order to live for ourselves. These, he says, are the ways of living that Jesus was punished for. So as Jesus hung on the cross, he didn't die for his sin because we know he did none, but he died because of our obscene talk. He died for our anger. He died for our slander. He died for our evil desire. He died for our impurity and sexual morality. He took upon himself all of that on himself on the cross and he was punished for it instead of us. He, Paul says, put off that old life. Put it off. Kill it. Every time you see sin in yourself, kill it because that is a life that is no longer a life you live. You died to it because you died with him. Now, notice he is saying that Christians are not perfect now. I think sometimes we can start to think that we, that we should have more perfection about the way we live, but the reality is we live between the now but the not yet. Now we are new creations in Christ Jesus in a real sense because we have the life of Jesus by his spirit living in us, but not yet have we been perfected. What we have now in this life is we have remaining sin. Now the reason we call it remaining sin is because it's, 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 there's a certainty that it will be gone. So it's what, it's what remains. It's what remains of the old life but it will be gone. So Paul says, when you see it in yourself, kill it. Kill it. Because that's not who you are. That's not you anymore. That's not the life you're living. You're not the old creation. You're actually a new creation. You don't belong to this world anymore. You belong to the new world. Your life is a new creation life that's hidden right now, but will be revealed when Jesus comes to start the new world. So put off. Kill the sin. Second, he says, put on, or live in Jesus, put on. Verse 9, do not lie to one another, seeing as you put off the old self with its practices, but have, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Paul says, when, when you turn from sin and trust in Jesus, you went from spiritual death, because you united with him and he died, to spiritual life, united to him. And so you're no longer the old self and part of the fallen creation, you put on the new self of the new creation. You are a child of God, you are a holy one, you are a priest of God himself, you are justified, you are righteous, you are filled with God's Holy Spirit. Paul says, that's now who you are in him. And that new... That new creation life, he says, is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So renewed in knowledge, that is through the knowledge of the gospel and the scriptures, it makes us, it renews us, it makes us more and more new each day and it does it to make us more like the image of the creator, to make us more like Christ himself. We are saved not just to sit on a plane, we're not saved just to sit on the plane and, and coast along and think, oh, I'll just wait until perfection comes and the new creation. She'll be right. We're to put off, kill sin when we see it and to pursue 
the godliness that Jesus calls us, the Christ-likeness that Jesus calls to us. You've been transformed in Christ to be like Christ. Verse 11, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Paul is saying, who you were before does not matter. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what culture you come from. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter whether you, are, uh, you were a slave, what your occupation was, your vocation. He says, if you are in Christ, you, that, that's all that matters now. You're in Him. Christ is in you. That's the most significant thing about who you are now. Therefore, he says, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's who you are. You are God's holy and beloved people. You are set apart by him and he loves you like he loves Jesus. He says, since you're that's who you are, put on then compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving one another, each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So he's saying, that's who you are. You're not that old person, the one that lived according to sexual morality and according to evil desires and anger and slander and malice. That's not who you are. You are this. You're God's chosen one, his holy and beloved child. And you united to Jesus have been given now the strength and the power to live the way Jesus lived. to have a life of kindness and humility and meekness and patience just like Jesus, to bear with others just like Jesus, to forgive people just like Jesus, to love just like Jesus. Jesus did not just save you that you might just sit on the plane. He died that you might be transformed day by day, that you might grow more like Jesus, that you might pursue these characteristics, that you might not just try to extinguish the bad parts of you and put off the sin in your life, but you'd actually pursue the good parts of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that you'd put on compassion and love and humility. See, there's lots of reasons why the Scriptures give us to why we should pursue becoming more like Jesus. There's lots of them, and and there's some that we come up for ourselves that actually are not really true, so some, some of us would say, uh, some of us think we, we need to be good Christians because we need to pay back God, for instance, like you could pay God for saving you. Some, some fall into trouble thinking you need to do good things to get into heaven. Some suggest, some think that, you know, you, you get saved and that covers you up to the moment you're saved and then you've kind of got to do the good things to guarantee your place in the end. All those things are untrue. <laughs> But there are other reasons why the Scriptures give us why we should pursue godliness. That is uh, because we love Jesus. <laughs> He's amazing. We want to be like Him. But the, the dominant motive, the dominant motive for growth and godliness in the Bible is that you are in Christ. You are a new being. You are a new creation. You've died to the old. You're living for the new. And so kill the old pursue the new. We are saved in Christ to be transformed in Christ and one day perfected in Christ when he returns again. Well, that's how it works. 
What do we do? <laughs> don't say that. Don't think, that's how it's supposed to work. But what does that mean? What does that look like in the day-to-day? Second, what do we do? Firstly, I've got three things. There's a bunch of other things we could say. But I'll just give you three things this morning. Firstly, remember who you are. Remember who you are. So my grandma is in her 90s now um, and she's suffering dementia and so her memory is, uh, is, is pretty close to gone now. She can't remember her husband. She doesn't know where she is. And it's very, very sad. Uh, I remember a number of years ago when it was, it was start, she was starting to lose her memory uh, that she had a number of strategies that she would use in order to remember things. And so, you know, the, the, uh, input, as soon as someone says something to you, you record it in a diary, what you did, where you were, numbers, addresses. Yeah, you put sticky notes, sticky notes all over your house to remind you of certain things so that you see it and you think, oh, I've got to do that, I've got to do that. Um, you, you label cupboards and drawers with words or pictures that describe their contents. Uh, put important phone numbers in large print next to the phone. These are the things you need to do when you're losing your memory, your capacity to remember things in order to function. I think as Christians, we need to be equally active in remembering who we are. If we're just passive, if we think we're just going to, by default, remember who we are as Christians, we're sadly mistaken. Because one of the problems of remaining sin is that it gives you spiritual amnesia. Like it, 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 it reduces your spiritual memory. The remaining sin in us makes us forget who we are. Now listen, I want to show you where this is from Scripture. 2 Peter 1, it's a different passage to Colossians, but 2 Peter 1, Peter says this. He says, His divine power, that's God's divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. So what he's saying, through, through knowledge of Him, through knowledge of Jesus, relationship with Jesus, who calls us to glory and excellence of Him, He's given us the power for life and godliness to all things for life and godliness verse 5 for this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying he's given us all the power we need in our relationship with Jesus to be transformed, to become more like him. And so he's saying supplement, that is not, uh, that bring together this knowledge of who you are in Jesus and pursue by faith a life that honours him. And then listen, verse 9, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, listen, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Now, what goes wrong? What goes wrong in us pursuing the lives that we're meant to live as transformed human beings, as transformed new creations like Jesus? It is we forget we're cleansed from our former sins. We forget who we are. We forget that we're the holy ones, that are clean ones. See, that's what goes wrong when we sin. We, we forget who we are. We think, we, we, we fall into thinking we're this old creation and sin is just inevitable and we should just live for ourselves because Jesus is not even important and Jesus is not there and we can just do what we want. So Peter says, be active in remembering who you are. That's the battlefront, friends. That's the front line. 
And so how do you do that? Well, that's what spiritual disciplines are all about. I'll put a whole bunch of things up on the screen. These are just a bunch of different things, and there's more than these things. But these are some ways you can remember who you are. When we read the Scriptures, why do we read them? Not just to have a bunch of Bible knowledge. We read the Scriptures to remember who we are. The Scriptures remind us again and again that you are a chosen child of God, that you are loved by God. We pray. When we pray, what do we do? Well, when you pray, by default, you, you, you do remember that you're not God because you're talking to him. <laughs> I find that so helpful in the mornings. I think that's why I do prayer walks in the morning because just by walking and talking to God, I walk into my day with a greater recognition that I'm not the God of this world because I've talked to the one who is. And so I think I'm more likely when I go into a marriage or try, not try to play God and think I can control my world, but actually, actually remember who I am. Meditation, meditating on the scriptures, Christian books, uh, listening to sermons online, going to Bible college, uh, singing, singing songs that remind you who you are, who God is, uh, uh, listening to preaching in church, uh, going through, through liturgy, Christian activities, just being involved in service in church, evangelism, care for the poor. There's just, some, there's just a cluster of things. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to do those things as an expression of trying to remember who we are, of taking our place. So that as we live this life, we might remember that we are new creations, transformed to be who we are in Christ. So firstly, remember who you are. Secondly, put off and put on in the ordinary moments of life. We've got to get away from thinking that Christian faith is lived in the big moments of, of massive sin and massive, and massive godliness. You know, like the, you have massive sin in your life and then you do this amazing godly thing like... Christian faith, the put off and put off, is, it's in the ordinary moments. It's in the tiniest little moments that if you drill down on and have a look at, you think, actually, there's something. I'm actually being ungodly there. I actually, it seems at, at play there, and I didn't even realise it. And so, for instance, um, it's, it's something like this. Noticing that little unhelpful, passive-aggressive comment at work. <laughs> you know, someone's, someone's frustrated you in some way. And you don't rip their head off because you're in the workplace. But it's, that's just that subtle, passive-aggressive comment. God, that's where, that's where our Christian faith is worked out. That's where we need to put off and put on. Confess it to him. Perhaps go to the other person and apologise for what you've said or how, how you've said it. Uh, pursue patience with that colleagues the next time. It's, it's played out when you know someone in your family has a problem with you. Maybe they haven't said it. Maybe they're just kind of, they're being passive-aggressive to you, but you know they have a problem with you. And your instinct is you is to say, oh, stuff them. <laughs> if they're not going to come and speak to me, I'm not going to pursue a relationship with them and just bar them. Being a new creation means in that moment pushing towards them to try and sort out the relationship instead of saying, too bad, I don't want a bar of you. It's about living who you are in Christ, being transformed in the ordinary moments of existence. Now, often that means we have to stop and reflect a little bit. I find the faster you live this Christian life, the faster you do it, the less reflective you tend to be and the more you, you tend to not recognise when you're actually sinning against people and need to start pursuing godliness. And so that's where the, the disciplines we talked about before also help. When we read, our script, when we read the Scriptures, when we pray... Their chances to stop, reflect on who we are, how we're living, what the life Christ has called us to, that we might pursue it by faith. Thirdly, 
encourage others that are in Christ. A number of, number of weeks ago, I saw, I saw two blokes having a chat. One bloke was saying to the other bloke, he, he knows the in-laws are having it in for him. <laughs> he's really put off by his in-laws because they have it in for him. And uh, he, he wants to have it. He's talking to his mate. He's saying, I just want to have a go at them. I'm just going to, I'm really angry. I just want to have a go at them. And the other bloke says to him, remember who you are, mate. <laughs> remember who you are. In the past, yes, you would have hit back. But now you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that changes the game. Even though your in-laws you think have it in for you, it's not okay to just have a go back. You now are called to speak the truth in love. As a new creation in Christ Jesus, you're called to speak the truth in love. Now, what happened for that guy in that moment? He forgot who he was and what did he need? He needed a brother or a sister to encourage him with that truth. Now, that is what the New Testament letters are pretty much. They are Paul... uh, encouraging others, people, that they are in Christ. So what's the letter to Colossians? What's Ephesians? The first section of Ephesians that we covered is Paul saying to the Ephesian church, hey, you're in Christ. Let me remind you who you are. Now, Paul doesn't do that just so that they might feel special. He doesn't do it so that we might feel special. He does it as an example that we might follow so that our relationships that we have with each other are not ones where we just talk about the football or whatever you're into, the soccer or the garden outside, which is beautiful, or what we're eating for lunch, but we'd actually have conversations where we'd encourage each other, we'd remind each other. So if someone says to me, oh, I'm really struggling with a sin, we can say, hey, brother, just remember, isn't it amazing who God has made you to be? That you now have a new power, a new potential in you to actually be different in this situation to what you might have been in the past. And so, friends, we need, to, we need to speak those words of encouragement. We need to remind each other of who we are in Christ. We're saved in Christ to be transformed in Christ. We are not to be sit, just here to sit on the plane and just wait for heaven. And so the question this morning is, have you forgotten who you are? Have you forgotten? Are you going into work tomorrow just thinking that uh, you're just like anyone else? Because it's a lie. You have a supernatural enabling by the Holy Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead in your life. You're a child of the King, called to reflect Jesus in the way you live. You are one through whom the little moments of life are the big moments of life, in a sense. You are there to take captive every ordinary moment to put off sin and pursue godliness. You are called to be in each other's lives so deeply that you can encourage each other, remind each other of who you are and encourage them to be the people that God's called them to be. Friends, we need help in that. We need help in that. It's too easy to sit on the plane. It's too easy to forget who we are. We need Jesus' help. And so why don't we ask him now to do that for us? So the God who saved us, might continue to transform us day by day. Let me pray. Father God, it's extraordinary that you saved us in your son. It's extraordinary that he took the punishment that our sins deserve. But more so, not only that, your power is at work in us every day. That we have in the gospel and in Jesus everything we need for life and godliness. All those 
hurdles in our lives, all those difficult people, all those sins that we're struggling with habitually. Lord, you have given us the strength to fight those things, but help us to do it by faith. Help us to remember who we are and seek to live out of that identity. Help us to put off the old self and put on the new self. Help us to pursue you, Jesus, reminding us that we are your child, remembering we are your child and by faith seeking to live like you. And we pray this in Jesus' name.